0: Good morning. If you would uh, like to open your Bible and look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 through 34 as uh, as we begin <clears throat> I don't use slide show presentation I <laughs> I'm a little behind the time so I'm sorry, I'm kind of old school, so if you've got your Bible and you'd like to open it, uh, Matthew chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 31 and, and uh, verse uh, down to verse 34. Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things <clears throat> the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, and he's given some examples uh, from verse 25 down to verse 31. But he says, don't be anxious and ask the questions, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? He says, because... He said, all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need all these things. There's my son sitting right there, my oldest. And when he was born, guess what I knew he needed? He needed something to eat. He needed something to drink. He needed clothes. And he needed a place to lay down his head and go to sleep. I knew he needed all of those things. And those were all my responsibility to make sure that he had those things. So why would we think that it would be strange that our Heavenly Father would not know that we needed something to eat and something to drink and clothes to wear and a place to lay down our head. He knows all of that. And He supplies all of that. Look what He says in verse 33. Seek first His kingdom And his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. David said in the Psalms, he said, I was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen God's servant begging for bread. He said, I was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen God's servant begging for bread. But what happens to us as we live life, we get, we get caught up in life, and we have, we have these wants and we have these desires, and Satan entices us to fulfill all of these wants and desires. And they're, they're numerous. We just don't, we don't have time to even... Talk about them all. He gets us away from the basic that our father knows that we need. There was lots of things probably Gabe wanted growing up that he didn't get. But he had what he needed, what I knew that he needed to grow and survive and thrive as a human being. And there's Zach, and he had the same thing, and Heather's gone. They had the same thing, what they needed, food, clothing, and shelter. And the thing that I tried to teach them next was to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. In everything that I did, I tried to teach my children to seek first, first. Not second, not next, not maybe if you got some time left over. First, seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. There is nothing, nothing that is any more important than seeking God first and His righteousness. Nothing. I remember. Gabe played in an intramural basketball league. I guess that's what they called it. And he had a really good coach. I can only remember his first name. It was Mike. I can't remember his last name. But he had coached some college ball. And the guy was a great coach. Like he played every boy on the team in every game, no matter what the score was, and they almost always won. Well, there was a championship, there was a tournament. And it just happened that one of those tournament games, one of those championship games that this good team was involved in was on Wednesday night, of all things. And I told my son because the desire of my heart was that he would seek first, first, God's kingdom And his righteousness, I told my son, we're not going to that game. You're just going to have to tell your coach that you're not going to be there. We're going to Wednesday night Bible study. Well, he was disappointed with that, and I I understood that. I understood his disappointment with that. And I knew that he was too young to fully understand what, what I was driving at. But what he found out is when he went and told his coach, because he did, he went and told his coach, he said, Coach, I can't, uh, I can't come to the game. There were other little guys on that team whose parents evidently told them the same thing. I don't even know who they were. But they said, Coach, we can't be at that game. And you know what the coach? Well, well, I mean, what you know what they did? The unthinkable is that they rescheduled the game. Now that's crazy, isn't it? They rescheduled the game. But the greatest thing that came out of that is, you know what that coach said? He said, "It's been a long time since I've been to church. It's been a long time since I've been to church." We're supposed to be the light in this world. That's what we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to look like this world. We're not supposed to be like this world because we are not of this world. We're supposed to be light, the light of this world. We're supposed to be the salt that seasons. That's what we're supposed to be as children of God. We're supposed to be seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first. The promise is if you do that, if you do that, if you'll seek that first, guess what you get? What do you get? We just read it. What do you get? You get everything. (laughs) You get the whole thing everything that people are running around grabbing and grasping and spending all of their time you get the whole thing when you get that part right you ever heard the saying don't get the cart before the horse young people there's a lot of young people sitting here now that don't even know what that means don't get the cart before the horse cuz the horse pulls the cart If you get the cart before the horse, it's backwards. It doesn't work. The horse pulls the cart. First things first. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Why? Because they might not all hatch. Then you're going to be disappointed. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Only you can answer these questions. How much of your time? How much of your time? And we all have the same amount of time. We all get 24 hours in every day. And we also get to make the decision about how we use those 24 hours. Some of that time we sleep, some of that time we sit down and eat. And then the rest of that time, we make the decision. You think, no, I have to go to work. Well, that's a decision that you make. I make that decision every day. I get up and go to work. Been doing it for 40 years. Yeah, that's part of your day. But then you've got the rest of that day, and and we make decisions. How much of your time do you read and study God's word? Just be honest, I don't, I don't want anybody shouting out answers, but just be honest with yourself right now how much time you spend reading this book and studying it. I know there's people sitting here who their answer is zero. Their answer is zero. I spend no time because I don't have time. I don't have time to do that. How much time do you spend in prayer? Do you pray every day? Do you pray multiple times during the day? Do you pray once a week? How much time do you spend in prayer? What about your money? Where does your money go? Where do you spend your money? What's important to you to do with your money, which is not your money? It's God's money. Because it comes from Him. What do you do with your time? How much? What do you, What do you do with your time? How do you spend your time? What about worship? How much time do we spend in worship compared to what is going on in our world, and compared to the time that we spend in our world? You know. The the question I've got a question written at the bottom of my paper here I'd like for you to think about. And that question is is I, I know that this is a this is a subject that 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 preachers talk about. It's been preached on and talked about and people don't like to hear it because it stirs up Things that stirs up guilt and it stirs up I should be doing this and I should be doing that, and that's none of their business. And I know all of those emotions that come with it, but here's the question. When do we want God there for us? You can answer that one easy, can't you? I want God there for me instantly. On demand, all the time. That's when I want God there. I'm having trouble with that microphone. That's when I want God there for me. I want him there all the time. I don't want him asleep. I don't want him off on his job. I don't want him off at some sports event. I don't want him off fishing. I don't want him off hunting. I don't want him anywhere. I want him there right now on demand when I need him. Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid, I'm sick, I'm worried, I don't know what to do, it's all a mess, I need him and I need him now. We're not even fair. We're not even fair, we get so self-consumed. We want God there right now. He's got to be there on demand all the time. I need him there. Where is he at? Where is he at? Matthew 10 and and verse uh, 34. Jesus says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the enemies of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life shall lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. It's not the reason that I came. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. That's kind of foreign to what we think about the Lord. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be, the, will be the enemies of his household. And then he tells you the reason why. You said, boy, that's strange. Why, why would he say something like that? That's strange. And he gives you the reason. If you love your father or you love your mother more than me, then you're not worthy. You're not going to make it. That's not acceptable. I don't accept that. You hear what he's saying? I don't accept that. I'm more important than your father or your mother or your mother-in-law or your father-in-law or your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law or your grandchildren or your children or the president of the United States. I'm more important. And if you can't accept that and incorporate that into your life, that I'm number one, I'm the most important, you're not worthy. You're not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life, guess what? You're going to lose it. You don't get to keep it. But if you'll lose your life for me right now, then for my sake, you will find it. There's a, there's a, there's a time coming when there will be no time. We've, we've got on our, our board out front, our sign out front, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that comes the judgment day. On that day, when everything becomes certain, signed and sealed and delivered, will be the day that we will know either the joy of having put the Lord first or the sorrow of having lived in this life and putting things before him. He's not going to accept it. He won't accept it. And remember, keep keep in your mind while we're talking about we don't accept it. We want him there now all the time, first, every time. That's when we want him. We don't want the answer tomorrow, we want the answer now. We want it now. And yet we fail at giving to our God, we call him our God. We call him our king. We call him our Lord. I love those songs Sean sang this morning. didn't even know what I was going to talk about. We say we bow down. At least we did in the song. We say we bow down. But we have such, such trouble bowing down. Such trouble putting God in first place. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11 and verse 2 and 3. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I betrothed you to one husband that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. I am afraid Lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, I'm jealous for you. With a godly jealousy. I betrothed you to one husband. You know what that means? I betrothed you to one husband. You talk, you talk to young people today, and, and you get in uh, when, they're, when they're talking about getting married, and uh, if you pull out that old traditional wedding ceremony, they're like, I look at them and say, do you know what that word means? No. They don't know what that word means. Most people don't know what that word means. Most people just said it when they got married because that's what you say when you get married. And it means you're, you're given in marriage to one husband or to one wife. You're promised in marriage to one husband or to one wife. And it is unacceptable If you go into another man or another woman, we do not accept that. We don't accept that because it does all kinds of things to us emotionally and spiritually. We don't accept that. And our world is really messed up right now because of that. Because we've just lost that. We've let Satan take that and beat us to death with it. We've let him take that and just beat us to death with it. And so, because it is almost meaningless anymore, this concept of being promised as a bride... To Christ is so hard for this world to understand. And we're just willing to trot off anywhere all the time. Just anywhere that we want to go all the time. Well, he'll understand. Well, it's okay. I don't think I'll go to hell for just one time. Do you really believe that? Apply that thought process to your mate. I know with my wife that it's not okay if I just trot off one time. That's not okay. She's not going to just forgive me for some indiscretion. It's not okay. we got too many years together, and it's not okay. It's not okay with me if she does that. It's not okay. She made a promise to me, and I made a promise to her. Till the day that I die, when death parts us, that's what I said before God, And the company that was assembled there on that day. That's what I said. I made that promise to my Lord. I made that promise to my Lord. You're you're my Lord. You're number one. I can't thank you enough for what you've done for me. You're first. No matter what. I don't care what it is. I remember looking two supervisors right in the eye and not in anger, but but they were demanding from me something that I would not give. Seven days a week. I already worked six days a week for years. I would not give the seventh day. And it wasn't because I already worked six days. That wasn't the reason. The seventh day happened to be my Lord's Day. And I wouldn't give it. And I remember remember looking at my supervisor and I said, I just can't do that. And I had a career. I was probably 20 years or more into it by then. I just said, I can't do that. I won't do it. My God is first. My family is second. And then there's this job. And I'm sorry. If that's not adequate... I know that my God will provide something else for me. And I believe that he would. I said that twice. It never ended up bad. You know why? Because of what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. What we read when we began. If you seek me first. Then you'll have all this other stuff. You'll have all this other stuff if you seek me first. I'd like to tell you that I'm righteous and I, I hate to even share those stories because it sounds like bragging. And I don't mean it that way at all because I'm not righteous except by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to tell you that if you will seek the Lord first with all your heart and all your soul, and all your mind, and everything that you have in you, all of his promises are true. They're all true. They're all yes, and they are all amen. Every one of them. But if you go about it some other way, and you're out there trying to find your life, and dabble in this and dabble in that and run over here and this. I'm going to get back to church. I'm just missing this Sunday. A lot of you here might remember, uh, might remember Jack Jennings, and he worked he worked for the city of Portsmouth. And he told me one, and he had, he had some different jobs there, but he told me one time, he said, I got paid to hunt. Groundhogs. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Like, I got to pay city tax, and I don't live down there. Okay, and I resent it with everything in me. I I resent it with everything in me that I have to pay city tax in the city of Portsmouth, and I don't work. I don't live there. I just work there. I hate it. And now I got one of these workers telling me I got paid to hunt groundhogs on the flood wall. I'm like, what? I said, why? He said, all it takes is one groundhog hole in that flood wall, and when that water comes up, it will go right to that hole and just wash it clear out until that flood wall is no longer there. You see the significance of that statement? It's just one time. All it takes is one time. As soon as you punch a hole in your already struggling faith, guess what happens to that hole? It just begins to erode. We wonder all the time, what happened to people? Where are they at? What happened to people? Where would they go? Guess what? Maybe what should have been first in their life was not, and it's nobody's fault except theirs. Just get a hole punched in your faith. And before long, it will wallow itself out until the dam breaks. I am afraid lest as the serpent deceived Eve. And what did he say? Well, you're not going to really die. Do we really die? We really do, don't we? Only the, say, only the serpent, Satan said, you won't really die because God knows that in the day you eat that fruit, you're going to become just like him. You're going to be able to discern, to know the difference Between good and evil. And when she looked and saw what? That, man, that's some nice looking fruit. And I bet it tastes good. Plus, I'm going to gain all this knowledge of good and evil. She did the unthinkable and reached out her hand and took a piece of that fruit, ate it, and gave it to her husband. And what happened? Man. Hell and damnation was brought upon mankind. By such, in, in our mind, a simple, seemingly simple little act of reaching out your hand and picking a piece of fruit and taking a bite out of it. I am afraid lest as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That's what I'm afraid of too. I'm scared to death of that for me and for you. Scared to death of it. Just like Satan deceived Eve by his craftiness, that your mind or my mind should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Do we all have to be here tonight, Sunday evening service? Are we going to go to hell if we don't come? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm not going to find out. I don't come out of guilt anymore anyway. I come because I want to be here. I I really want to be here. I come to Wednesday night because I want to be here. I come because I bow down to my Lord and my God Who has done so much for me and blessed me beyond my wildest dreams? That's why I come. I don't come because I'm afraid, I don't come because I feel guilty. I come because I want to. I, I just, I'm here because I want to be, and I know a lot of other people are too. Ephesians chapter five, our scripture reading in uh, verse 22, uh, and down to verse 23. And I just want to read, uh, reread uh, verse 31. "This cause for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. There's two causes sitting out here in front of me, right over there. My two wonderful daughter-in-laws. But I lost my sons. Because they did exactly what they'd been taught. They left their mother. And their father, and they joined theirself to their wives, and those two became one. I didn't have anybody cut my grass anymore. I did have anybody take out my trash. I had a good arrangement. I said, boys, I'll get up early in the morning, and I'll do the feeding and everything, you guys do it in the afternoon. Well, by the afternoon, I was really tired and it was good to have some. Now I just I do it early in the morning and I do it in the afternoon. And I cut my grass and I take out my trash and I do all that other stuff. Cuz some pretty little girl had to come along and <laughs> take my boy. You quit laughing. You got one. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> but it's good. That's the way that God said it should be. Guess what he wants from us? This is a great mystery, Paul says, but I am speaking concerning what? Christ and the church. We can see it played out and we know that it works and why do we refuse to give in to it? Leave your father and leave your mother Leave this world and all of the things that are pulling at you and do what? Be joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he wants. And he's not going to accept anything else. Anything else is, is nothing to him. We will not accept it. And I hope when you go away from here and you try to think on this just a little bit, that you will think about, I don't accept it. Why do I expect my God to accept it? It's not okay. It's what I want to do. I'm doing what I want to do here today. And God can just take a back seat for a while. He said, no, I'm not taking a back seat. I'm not in the back seat. I'll never be in the back seat. If you think you can put me in the back seat, we're not in the same vehicle. I'm not there. I'm number one. I'm first. First place or no place at all. First place. And he deserves first place. He deserves me, he deserves you, he deserves everything in our life. He deserves first place because he's given what I would never give. I'd never give you my son, never, for anything, for no reason on the face of this earth would I give you my son in your place. I wouldn't do it. I can't understand it. I have grappled and wrestled with that my whole life trying to understand the gift of God's son because I wouldn't do it. I just couldn't. I'd give you me before I'd give you my son. But God didn't even do that. He made such a sacrifice that when you sit down and you examine it and you open your heart, you cannot understand it. You can't understand it. In Revelation chapter 3, the letter to the church at Thyatira. You are neither cold and you're not hot. I wish you were one or the other. You're not cold and you're not hot. And you make me sick. So sick that I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You make me sick. I don't want it. I want you cold or I want you hot. Either get on or get off. Cold or hot. Number one, first or nothing at all. Joshua said to the people, Choose who you're going to serve. Either the gods, which were not gods, of all these people around here, and who your father served, and you know where that got them. We don't have time to go into that story. Or. Choose this God. Choose the God. He said, make your choice today. And there's people sitting here among us that need to make a choice today. Today. And you will make a choice today. You'll make a choice today. You'll either make a choice for God or you will make a choice against him. Today. Before we leave here. Joshua said, choose today who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, wouldn't our country be great if we could all stand up and say it and truly mean it, that I serve the Lord. I don't care what circumstances or what the situation is, I'm going to serve the Lord. Choose today. If you're here and you're not a child of God, if you would come and confess him before men, before this group, if you're willing to be baptized, immersed, into Christ. It is there that God applies the blood. It's nothing that we do. You're raised up a new man, a new person. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you can go on your way rejoicing. And if you need the prayers of the congregation for anything, then you have an opportunity. But choose today. You're making a choice one way or the other.